0: So we are talking tonight about the benefits of speaking in tongues, um, which I would say that if there is any uh, more controversial subject in the church, uh, this is definitely in the top three probably, Uh, kind of depends on what um, denomination you're from or your understanding or whatever, but it's definitely one of the top three that's controversial. Uh, It doesn't need to be. There again, we've talked about, you know, do you have to have, do you have to speak in tongues? Do you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? Well, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart, right? So, strike that on the record, please. Somebody's going to be like, well, you said on your podcast, I'm just joking, okay? So, I'm going to try to lighten this up for you a little bit. So, I have to tell a bad dad joke. It's going to be on the podcast, too. Where do you go if you have a -a peekaboo injury? You know what a peekaboo is? You know when you play with kids? If you have a peekaboo injury, where do you go? To the ICU. Okay, now. Oh, it's terrible. Now we've lightened it up a little bit, okay? The benefits of speaking in tongues. So. Like I said, this is a controversial subject, just the idea of speaking in tongues, not the benefits. We're saying from our perspective, we believe in speaking in tongues. We believe it's a a necessary part of uh, the believer's walk, just like baptism. There again, do you have to be baptized to go to heaven? My understanding is no. We see some uh, illustrations of that in the scripture, but should we be baptized? Most definitely. We want to follow the Lord's commands, and he told us that we should be baptized, so we should do that. I had an uncle that was uh, born with spina bifida. <clears throat> excuse me. In the um, my wife's not in here. Uh, I want to say either the late 30s or early 40s. Um, and back in that day, you 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 made one of two decisions: you cut the the bag off and you're crippled for the rest of your life, or you leave it and you try to figure out something. And usually, they didn't live very long. Well, at when he actually uh, died, he died when he was. 50 or 51. He had a shunt and they had to uh, replace it about every five years that, that um, pulled water off of his brain. And when they put him on the operating table, he actually had a brain aneurysm and died. So it wasn't even the spina bifida that got him. So uh, he lived a long, uh, you know, happy life, even though he was crippled. Uh, I remember us kids, the, the nephews and stuff, we would wrestle him. The dude had superhuman upper body strength, no legs. But, I mean, superhuman. I mean, he'd just grab us kids and hold us down, you know. We'd be screaming, and Grandma would come out there and get on to him. But we loved it. But he was absolutely terrified of the water, and he would not get baptized. And it wasn't until he was probably well into his 40s that he finally decided, I need to get baptized. It took six, four men to get him in and out of that tank, but he got baptized. A man who was deathly afraid of the water, but he said, I'm going to do this. So... I say that to encourage you to say, look, you can get over your fears. You can, you can get over them, especially by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Um, we talked about how to receive the Holy Spirit. When do you receive the Holy Spirit? When you ask. Now, we see the scriptures that talk about when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you begin to speak in other tongues. The problem is, is that sometimes we get so focused On the tongue part, or the manifestation of the gift, we forget about the giver of the gift. We forget about why it's there, right? Um, We talked about this. I I know some people that are spirit-filled, and when I say that, they speak in other tongues, but sometimes their life is not really conducive, right, and vice versa. I know people that don't, that speak in tongues, and their life follows Christ thoroughly, so you can have an argument to say, well, I think that I don't, well, well, there again, where do we go to? We go to the Scriptures. What does the Scripture say? The Scripture says, huh? If you have not love, That's right. I mean, let's think about prophecy, and we talked about this once before. Back in the 90s, prophecy kind of got a bad name because there was a lot of prophetic people that were going into churches and, and quote-unquote reading people's mails, and it was all about like bringing this harsh correction, Right? Don't get me wrong. We see places in the in the scriptures where there's harsh correction that's brought, but it's, it's not the the rule. It's the exception. You know. I mean, here I I liken it to this. I don't want to embarrass you, but if I need to embarrass you to save your life, I would do that. If you were, you know, walking in the street and fixing to get hit by a car, I would yell your name, whatever, and it might embarrass you, but I would I wouldn't want to see you get hurt. You see what I'm saying? But the idea was that well, we're bringing a correction, and we're gonna. It's like whoa, whoa, whoa! You have you have misused this gift, right? Um, that did get kind of straightened out a little bit. Um, you still have people that do crazy things. We don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because of that. But so the benefit of speaking in tongues. Let's first go to John sixteen. If you got your Bibles, John sixteen. And we're going to be looking at verse 13. But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but whatever He hears, He will tell you, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. This is Jesus talking, He's talking to His disciples, and He's saying, listen boys, I'm fixing to send this one called the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, <clears throat> here's some of the things that he's going to be doing. He's going to be leading you into all truth. So he's going to be telling you about things to come. That means future events, right? Um, he's going to be explaining things. Remember, too, he doesn't say it here, <clears throat> but in another passage, he tells us that one of his jobs is to bring to our remembrance things that, were, that are in here, right? Right? So when you say, well, I, I can't remember I can't memorize scripture, I have a memory problem. No, you have a recall problem. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us in that. Right? And it's interesting that probably everybody in here without exception has been speaking to somebody at some point in time. You're talking with them. All of a sudden, you don't know where it, what, how it does. But you begin to say things that you're like, I've never really either studied this or I've never really but." Man, maybe I read a scripture, and all of a sudden, this stuff just starts pouring out of your mouth. And you're like, man, somebody had to get a recorder. This is really good. I mean, you're thinking that in your own mind, right? And what is that? That's the power of the Holy Spirit bringing back to your remembrance the food, the deposits that you have made over all those years or days or months or whatever. But he's bringing that back. A lot of times it says this, the deep calls unto deep. When you go to sleep at night, you go into rapid eye movement, and you're totally disassociated with your body. A lot of times that's where God will speak to you because your mind is removed from the equation. You're not asking a bunch of questions. You're not saying, well, I don't know about that, God. Is that really for me? (laughs) Right, Gary? (laughs) Um, Your mind gets removed from that so he can speak directly to your spirit. I remember when I told you guys, when God called me into the ministry as a children's minister, I said, God, I'm so far behind, and I made that deal with him, if you'll catch me up, right? I remember there were days when I would get up out of bed and i would just have this revelation knowledge like where did this come from this is crazy and it would be god speaking to me the deep calling into the deep it was like wow i encourage you to have that experience i mean ask for it right he says he won't withhold any good thing from us so he's going to do these things um, the things that he mentions there in verse 13 and it goes on and says that as we're talking about the, the so we're well, let me let me back up and say this. So we've settled in our heart that speaking in tongues is a good thing. Do we still have any issues or problems, questions, anything like that with that? Okay, so when I, when I say speaking in tongues, we can assume that everybody in here is on board, or you may be wrestling with it, whatever, but at least you know it's like, okay, the Bible talks about it. It's a good thing, right? So what we're doing now is talking about the benefits of it, right? So, what are the benefits of speaking in tongues? Acts <clears> 2.4. <throat> on the day of Pentecost, <clears throat> they were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. Let me just say this too: um, Christy's not here tonight. Carrie, you're here, and um, Melissa. I heard an interesting. Um, I read an interesting article on the fire, and why were the cloves, the the tongues, the cloven tongues of fire? on their head, the Bible records, well, we can just go there, Acts, Acts 2, 2, 3, and tongues like fire, uh, let's go back to 2, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and tongues like fire spreading out appeared to them and settled on each of them. They were all filled with a raush hachodesh and began to speak in other tongues as the enabled them to speak out. So, the fire. Um, I think, Kara, maybe you and I talked about this a little bit about um, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So, an interesting article. Um, I'll just tell you, I haven't really uh, researched it all the way out. Um, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to be like the Brians, right? We find something and we go, hmm, let me look on it. Let me chew on that a little bit, right? The Bible tells us to meditate on the Word. Let's meditate on it. So from the Hebrew perspective, or one of the Hebrew perspectives, was that the fire represented hell. So you were either going to be baptized in a baptism of the Holy Spirit, and if you did not receive Jesus, you would be baptized in a fire. You're going to get one or the other. Some go on to say, well, the fire is actually the purification process. Okay, now here's where you go. This is where we can sit and we can reason Scripture, okay? So do I not get fully uh, refined when I get saved? Do you understand what I'm saying? If the fire is going to prove me, okay? And see, we take things very literal in the Western language. When we hear fire, what's the first thing you think of? And what? A a trial. Something bad coming, right? And fire can be good or bad. Fire can be good. Right now, there's a fire going on in a machine right outside these walls, right? And it's blowing that warm air into this building. That's a good thing. But if something was to catch fire that was valuable to you, home, automobile, whatever, that would be a bad fire. So in this article, they go into and they talk about, are we talking about a separate experience of fire, are we talking about uh, a combination? And I just thought it was interesting in this article that there again, what does fire represent in the scripture? Purification, uh, judgment. It can be, remember, in the Hebrew language, depending on the context, uh, can help decide if something is good or bad, right? <clears throat> How it's used in a sense. Yes, ma'am. Okay, uh, understand what I'm fixing to do. I'm challenging you, but I'm not challenging you. To be like, you're wrong. I'm saying, so let's think about this argument for a minute. So are we saying that if you receive the Holy Spirit, then you need to get the fire to get purified? And if we are, are we saying that the Holy Spirit's not enough to purify you? Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. So it's like, whoo, hey, hey, whoo. Yeah, I mean, we could really be like, squirrel. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and, and that's what I'm saying, though. I mean, a lot of times we do, and when I say we, I'm talking about people that have grown up in... Uh, Spirit-filled churches, whether that be Word of Faith, Pentecostal, charismatic, whatever, right? What do we normally say? And we say things like, oh, they got it, or, oh, they got filled with the Holy Spirit because they began to speak in tongues, right? Now, I don't disagree with that. Don't hear me wrong. I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying the, the Scriptures also tells us that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the Word of God with boldness. And in other places it says, and they begin to prophesy. So why do we put all of the emphasis on the tongues, now, I say that to say, I agree with tongues. I encourage you to speak in tongues because there's a huge benefit from it. But how many in here, no, well, I'm not going to ask that question. We probably all know somebody or have been experienced something where someone come to the front or wanted to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, hands were laid on them, nothing happened, and they walked back to their chair defeated or feeling lesser. That's not God's plan right? So when you come and you receive it, can we say, hey, listen, you asked for it. Now go thank God for it. God, I didn't manifest that. I didn't manifest that language, okay? But I know, and I told you guys about the story of the pastor's wife. Took her six months, right? But when the rubber met the road, right? When it got hot and her husband needed her to pray for her, and she fell on that couch and she began to pray and then, woof, here come this floodgate. It was in there the whole time. Right? I would venture to say, too, we have this model of Daniel, right? And he says, man, God, I prayed one time in three minutes. I got my answer. prayed another time. It took 21 days. Right? And Gabriel comes down and says, listen, we were trying to get you the answer. We had to fight our way all the way down here, man. And guess what? When we go back, we're going to fight our way all the way back. But it took 21 days. Now, I'm not saying that there there can be some spiritual um, obstacles, if you will. But I would say probably... 99% 99% of the time, it's all up here because of what we're fixing to talk about. <clears throat> the Bible says that when we speak in tongues, it's not fruitful to our own mind. In our Western way of thinking, if it doesn't make sense, we don't do it. Or we don't understand it, so we mock it. Or we just go, meh, I'm not interested. And the Bible's telling us, hey, listen, your mind's not going to be fruitful. It doesn't know what you're doing. That's why there's an interpretation Yes ma'am. What makes people think it's evil? I don't understand it. No, I don't understand it. It's evil. Yeah, I don't understand it either. Yeah. But I, I Yes. Well, and here's the thing too, in your lesson it talks about some of us are scared of it because we've been taught against it all of our lives. And it's like if you don't if you don't agree with speaking in tongues, I'm okay with that. Okay, you can have that opinion. But to say that it's not in here is an absolute misunderstanding. It's in here, right? Um, That's just like we talked about the cessationists. Their idea is is that when the perfect came, and their idea of the perfect is the Bible, okay? Um, I had a really good little note on that. Um, Let me see if I can find that right quick. Um, Yeah, right here. If it were true, (coughs) excuse me. That the Bible is the perfect that was to come. Then why would Paul pin to the First Corinthians in chapter th- uh, 14 the proper biblical order of operating in the gifts if they were fixing to pass away? Why would he do that? Why would God inspire him to do that? Let's just say it that way. So we're, we're still operating in the gifts. Now, let me say this. <clears throat> Sometimes people see things done... I'll just say out of order, okay? And so that turns them off, and they just go, I'm throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I don't want anything to do with it, right? Sometimes people are taught in the wrong house. Um, man, I was listening. Are, are you all familiar with normal Hayes? Anybody? Anybody? You talk about strong. Bro, that joker come right at you. I mean, he's like a heavyweight boxer, you know, working a heavy bag. But he said that uh, his mother passed away <coughs> and uh, he said I was before the Lord and I said Lord why did, my mom, why did my mom die and he said well son she went to the wrong church it's normal how you saying this said, well, she went to the wrong church and he said what what do you mean you go to the wrong church he said well here's the deal he said she, did never, she never heard <coughs> excuse me about God's a healer and um, he went on to say, he said, I, I went to this Baptist church all my life. He said, my sister still goes there. He's talking about these things. And he said, the Lord began to show him they have a great understanding of salvation. Anything about salvation, they can they can tell you about. But when it comes to healing, not why? Because they're not taught it. Now, here's the thing. I'm not trying to be mean, but they can read. <coughs> they can read out of the same Bible I'm reading out of, right? Healing's there. Um. Prosperity's there. Now, is it being taught right? I don't think always, no. Does God want you filthy, stinking rich so you can have a big bank account? No, I think that there's some men it would destroy. But at the same time, he doesn't want you begging for bread. Is what the scripture says, right? He takes care of his own. He's a good, good father. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, all the golden hill, right? I mean, so he can take care of stuff. But what are we doing? And here's the thing. In the Western culture, the Western understanding of Christianity, we've come to, to have God serve us. I need you to serve me, Lord, and I need this. I, here's my needs. Here's my wants and my desires. I need you to meet them. And then when he doesn't, they go, well, I'm not serving him. Well, you never was. You were serving yourself. Now, we, I just had a conversation with a gentleman. God's love is unconditional. Everything else in this scripture has a condition to it. You don't have to believe me. You don't have to look at me like I got six fingers and six toes. Go find it out. Everywhere in scripture, you're going to see God say, If you, then I. If you, then I. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will save your land. I will redeem it. I'm going to, I'm going to make it happen, right? Yes. Then you see? Life and death and the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat of its fruits. What does that mean? In Hebrew, it means whichever way you speak, that's what you're going to get. Right? He set that in motion. Man, I don't want to go here. I'm going to. We talked about... Who? Go ahead. Drag me backwards. Like I said, I haven't... I haven't completely searched this whole thing. Like I said, this article, I came. I was just. I was searching through some stuff in some of my Hebrew stuff, and I ran across this, and I was like, hey, Karen, and Melissa and all of them is always out. Like, what is this, right? And so I kind of skimmed through it. It's about seven pages, and I, I, I skimmed through it. And the, the, the portion of it that I was talking about was like, um, and this was a rabbi. Um, I don't know, and I'll have to check out if this guy's um, uh, orthodox or if he's messianic. But he was talking about the good and the bad part of it. Like you're going to be baptized one way or the other, right? I don't know. Fire. full of zeal. Yeah. Well, in some in And my understanding of that is that, and we've talked about that. My understanding is, is that the fire changes things, right? Wood, hay, and stubble. When you put fire to it, it changes that material, that composition. And the Bible says that all those things are going to be tested by fire, and the good stuff's going to stay at the top, right? The good stuff's going to be sifted out. Is that what it's talking about? I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and then I'm going to start doing these things in your life. I mean, we can look at Peter. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and not only is he not denying Christ, now he's saying, I'm one of them, right? I mean, he's out there. He's prophesying. He's speaking with the Word of God with boldness. He's saying, hey. Yes? Say it again. Are you saying when you get saved? Okay. When you get saved, you do get a measure of the Holy Spirit. But remember, we talked about The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a different experience because of what the Scripture says. Remember when uh, Paul and them are going, and they meet the people coming from, mm, I can't remember the town, and said, hey, have you guys been baptized? And they said, we've been baptized in John's baptism. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit, right? And they said, hey, let's lay hands on you. Let's pray for you. And they began, they, they were filled with the Holy Ghost, right? Cornelius' family, they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. So then he gets filled with the Holy Spirit and his whole family, right? So there are, this is a different experience than just getting saved. You can't get saved without the Holy Spirit, right? You're going to get the Holy Spirit inside of you. But remember, <clears throat> if I have a cup, and most people would say that's full, but it's not. There's all this room right here. And remember, full is not full until it's domed over at the point of it just starts to run down. That's full. So are you saying that when you get saved, you get the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Well, the potential's there, right? And that's why Jesus is saying you need this other experience, and that experience is the Pentecostal experience that we see of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Remember, let's keep this in mind, too. Everything God does goes back to a choice. I know that that's a hard thing sometimes for people. And we talked about this. We love our... We love our brothers and sisters that are Calvin faith, right? They do not believe in a free will, that everything happens because God has ordained it and He's chosen it to happen that way, you know? And it doesn't matter what it is. And it's like, hang on, wait a minute. The Scriptures, I don't think, support that. They say, well, we think the Scriptures do. That's where we can reason the Scriptures. Is this something that I'm going to break fellowship with you and never talk to you again? Probably not. I will probably try keep asking questions, like, let's talk about this, right? But here's what I wanted to bring out. Um, preordination, choosing, the elect, all these things that we hear. God picks and chooses. He has these um, lottery tickets, if you will, right? So when we go to um, ekletos, which is uh, the word that we see, uh, the invited ones or the, the, the elect, right? Um, go to the wedding story that we see in Matthew. <clears throat> Remember, there were some people that were invited and they didn't come. So they had a choice, right? They could have come to the wedding or they could not have. So then it says that they tell them to go out to the highways and byways. Let's encourage people to come in. So they do. Now, we get down to the whole, this, this whole place, and I'm, I'm reading now this, this commentary here that uh, this guy's talking about, so I'm trying to skim through some of my notes here. Um, Israel's rejection of Jesus was, uh, was based on their human decision, if you remember. So God says, I'm picking you. And Israel goes, okay, but we may not want to pick you. I mean, <clears throat> we see God do all these miraculous things with them. Takes them to the Red Sea, feeds them manna. I mean, a rock follows them in the desert. Come on, people. Water comes out of it. And they're still grumbling, griping, complaining. You brought us out here to die. I mean, what? So are you telling me that God ordained that? That God said, well, I'm going to make these people hate me. Right? So then we start talking about um, uh, right here, in this Hebraic understanding, there again, uh, Jesus Uh, shares a warning with Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and he uses the term elect to describe the worldwide community of believers. He talks about (coughs) that in the end times, if it was possible, the very elect would be deceived, right? (coughs) Man, we have taken that to say that it's a particular group of people. It's the ones that Jesus knew was going to be saved. Does Jesus know who's going to be saved? Sure. Sure. Um, does, did Jesus, Let me. I asked my, my friends that are of a dissenting um, opinion. So you're telling me God just makes firewood. Some people were just destined to hell. He created them, it, he intricately fashioned them in his mother's wounds and said, man, you're going straight to hell. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? When we start, when we start it's, it's kind of like, we're going to bring politics into this. Deficit. When we start talking about being $33 trillion in, in debt, you can't see that many zeros. You don't deal with that kind of money, okay? But if I said, hey, listen, um, you make $33,000 a year and you're spending $250,000 a year, you're going the wrong direction. Most people can go, oh, yeah, just because you got credit cards, right? But when the piper starts piping, uh, where's this money going to come from, right? So when we start breaking things down to the local level, right, to the macro level, then we go, oh, our macro level. We go, oh, okay, this makes sense. Same thing here. I heard this one guy say it. I've always, I, I say it myself now. Do you know who God chooses? This is actually in the Hebrew, the word for choosing. Who does God choose? Those who choose him. Yes. When God says, I chose you, it's because you chose me. I'm choosing you. Now, just like tongues... There's differing kinds of tongues, right? There's a gift of tongues that happens in a body, right? And people can operate in that. But everyone can speak in tongues, and we're going to see that here in just a minute, okay? Two, two different things. Just like that, there, are, there is a different election process. In some of the Scripture, it says that He elected them or He chose them out to do this particular thing. Yes, that is a true type of election. God's saying, hey, Sharon, I'm calling you out, and I'm going to have you do this particular thing over here. I'm I'm, I'm electing you. I'm choosing you out to do this. But why can he choose her? Because she chose him, right? She's willing and obedient to do that. Interesting story. Does anybody know who Willie George is? Started um, um, Church on the Move in Tulsa. Okay. Gospel Gospel Bill, all that stuff. Uh, When he first started that, they started all around children. And they were bussing in at one time, I think, like 3,500 kids or something. They were using all of Tulsa School District's buses, plus theirs, to go pick up kids on Saturday and bus them to the church, and they had big blowout children's ministry stuff, okay? That's how he started. He had a lady come to him several years later, and um, she told him that the Lord had spoke to her and said that he had the anointing that God wanted to give Elvis, and Elvis refused it. Now, if you think about this, who did Elvis appeal to? Kids. Teenagers, right? They were like, oh my gosh. Now, there were some crazy adults too, right? But And if in some of his interviews, if you listen to him, he talks about how much he loved kids. And it was like, okay, God's like, here, I'm giving you this, this ministry. <clears throat> I don't know if he... Obviously, he made a decision, whether it was through bad counsel or what, but he made a bad decision. And God said, okay, now, I don't believe that God takes it from him and goes, here, I want to give this to you. I think he says, you know what? The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable without repentance, right? So that's on you, but I'm going to give this, I'm going to give the same anointing to this guy who's going to carry out what this is going to look like, right? So election. I elected him. He said, no. I elected him. He said, yes. Here we go. The good and the obedient right? They're going to eat the fruit of the land. They're going to eat the benefits. They're going to reap that harvest. So, when the singular use of election is applied to Jesus Christ, it conveys a sense of quality to the object chosen. There again, he chooses who chooses him. I'm not going to go through all this. Uh, It was a a really good deal. But it says. Uh, Listen to this. Here is the concept of election that is rooted in God's introduction of the elect in the Old Testament. Okay? You yourselves, this is in Exodus 19, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples for all the earth is mine. And you shall be, uh, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. What's he doing? He's saying, hey, here's, here's, my, here's my offer, if you will. If you'll be obedient, if you'll do the things that I'm asking you to do, then let's get this thing done. And so he says, okay. So I, I want to bring that up too because I hear some people say things too like, well, like with the gifts of the Spirit. God doesn't always pick those people and stuff. Look, Yes, okay, I, I hear what you're saying, but the scripture is clear that we have a role to play in this. How do we get saved? The Bible tells us in Ephesians we get saved by faith. We're saved by grace through faith, right? So where'd the grace come from? God, Jesus, right? Where's the faith come from? Us. Now here's the beauty of it Pistolos, faith, is God in birth. He gives us all the faith to do it, right? But you have to put your yes to it. You have to say yes to that. How else could men be drawn? It says, how else can a man be drawn unless the Holy Spirit draws them? Somebody took that deal and said that scripture, and I'm not saying this is how it happened, but I'm showing you kind of an illustration here. They read that. said, how can those come unless the Holy Spirit draw them? That's why my Aunt Edna never got saved. The Holy Spirit never drawn her. No. Do you see how simple it would be to start a, a whole doctrine on that because of, of an experience? And saying, oh, this must have happened because my aunt, she didn't get saved. Matter of fact, she, she left this earth, earth cursing God. How could it possibly be? Well, no, the Holy Spirit the whole time that she was on earth was drawing her, Right? Which is where we get this concept that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. No, it was the actions. The Hebraic understanding is, is that his actions. Here's the thing. God set in motion laws. Okay? He said, here is my law. Uh, you're going to be attached to the ground by this thing called gravity. That's a law. If you go to a building that's really tall and you jump off of it, the law of gravity is going to take effect on you. Okay? And you can say, well, well, God killed my, my loved one. He jumped off a building. He didn't fly because God didn't. Wait a minute. There was a law in place, and you violated that law. We've talked about this before. Electricity has laws. It doesn't care if you're black, white, Hispanic, tall, short, fat, ugly, skin, It does not matter. If you violate one of its laws, it's going to get you. And if it gets you good enough, it can kill you if you violate a law that's really bad. right? It's just a law. He put things in motion. And he said, if you turn your heart away from me, it's going to cause your heart to be hardened. Don't let your heart be hardened. All through the Old Testament, God tells the Israelites, what? Don't let your heart get hard. And then we see Pharaoh comes on the scene. And it says, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And then after about the fourth or fifth plague, it says, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Those two sentences, if you will, are identical. It wasn't God that was hardening Pharaoh's heart. It was Pharaoh resisting what God was doing that caused his heart to be hardened. And then he gets to a point that he's of no return. And God says, I'm going to show my power through you, Pharaoh. And you've heard me say this before. I do not believe that it was God's intent to kill Pharaoh. He was going to let his people go, he was going to get his people free. And they went to the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's hardened heart, his greed, his hatred for God, his hatred for the Egyptian people. Why did the Egyptians even get enslaved? I mean, yeah, what did I say, Egyptians? Yeah, why did the Egyptians enslave the Israelites? Thanks. Why did they enslave them? The Bible tells us. There was too many of them. The Egyptians said, hey, uh, what do you call those people that go birth babies? Midwives, hey, midwives, <clears throat> go find the Israeli women and when, you, when they birth children, let's kill them basically, right? And they said, oh, every time we get there, these people, they're fast having babies. And they just have these babies and it's over with. And they're like, well, and then they get together and what is the favor the of them? They say, hey, listen, if we're not careful, they're going to outnumber us and they're going to take us over. So we need to enslave them. What do you think today's persecution of the church is all about? If they get too many of them, they could, overpower. They could swing an election. <laughs> and what we don't realize is we actually could swing an election just in the Christian vote. But we're so divided on even the issues. And some of them are absolutely defined in Scripture. And we're still divided over them. So they put all this division amongst us, right? So they go into captivity. God shows up. He takes care of all the stuff. Pharaoh gets so hard, he charges after him. Do you think God's going to hold that water back forever? He held it back. Why? So his kids could go through. When they got through, shut her down, boys. Back to normal. right? Back to natural. I've got a supernatural, and we're going to go back to natural. Pharaoh's army, that was the law. Pharaoh's army goes in there. Wrong time. Who's holding waters back? Angels, right—the messengers of God, the ones that do His bidding, right? Why did uh, Uzzah—is it Uzzah that touched the ark? Why did God kill him? That doesn't sound right. I mean, he was just trying to help. God had set a law in motion, and He said to His who was who was guarding the ark of the covenant, the seraphim, God's right hand man's, if you will, right, right hand angels, if you will, and He put them in charge, and He said their their whole job. Remember when we talked about the angels, their whole job was to protect God's presence. Not that God needs bodyguards, okay? But he said, here, you're going to go down, you're going to watch over this thing, and you're not going to let people touch this. This is holy. Do you understand that? They're like, yes, sir. And what's the penalty? Death. (laughs) It's severe. It's quick. It makes a point, (laughs) okay? This thing stumbles. He reaches up, puts his hand on it. He's vaporized, right? And everybody went, whoa. I guess God really meant that. It wasn't meant to be personal, God set these laws in order, and He said, they're going to be followed out. And they are. He set a law law in order that we still talk about today, sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest. It's still in effect today. It's, It's going to be in effect until Jesus comes back. And then I still think it's going to be happening in a little different sense, but we don't have time to get into all that. Benefits of spraying in the Spirit, spraying, spraying or praying, whatever, you know. It says, for anyone who prays in the Spirit, this is 1 Corinthians 14, for anyone who prays in the Spirit does not pray to people but God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. And in verse 14, it says, for if I pray in the Spirit, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. I think this is the number one um, deception tool that Satan uses on people. I can't understand it. I can't wrap my mind around it, and therefore, it cannot be possibly right. It doesn't make sense. Um, we've seen people do things wrong with speaking in tongues. Like I said, you know, holding people down and, you know, by golly, you're going to get it. You know, if we have to wiggle your tongue and, you know, whatever. It's like, hang on. That's not how the Spirit works here, okay? Um, I'm sure people were well-intended, but it's just, no. That's what creates uh, a lot of confusion in the body, right? So, um but it does, it says that my mind is unfruitful. I'm not understanding what I'm praying. That's why we have an interpretation if it's in a church body, because we want to have an understanding. Now, I've heard people say, well, um, <coughs> tongues isn't uh, like what you do, and they'll say yabba dabba do" or, you know, should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Kia, and that kind of thing. Um, I should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Kia. Okay. so Yeah. Yeah. And they'll say things like that. It's like, okay, well, wait a minute. And so uh, the real tongues is when you speak a language and somebody hears it like in Acts. And it's like, okay, so let me ask you a question. So what's the greater miracle? You speaking a language that you don't know or you hearing a language that you understand coming from somebody that's never, I mean, where do you want to draw the line at here? Where do we want to say this is a miracle that's not? I told you of the gentleman that gave a message uh, one night um, and he was behind Uh, him was a, a German professor he was a college professor he taught German he was a linguist and afterwards he said sir where did you study German he said I've never studied German in my life he said no you had to have he said the message that you gave which by the way the interpreter interpreted correctly said the message that you gave was in perfect German he said well I'm sorry sir he said I've never studied German in my life now let me ask you this did that man speak in German are you sure he heard in german <laughs> so you see what i'm saying we're tr- in their own language we're trying to make it oh well he spoke in german but and they heard maybe so but let's hang on here maybe the guy spoke in an absolute unknown tongue but the man heard in german right and so we're trying to split these hairs and it's like wait well it's a, w- wait a minute let's just stop right there okay let's just go, wow, God, it's miraculous, right? It doesn't make sense to my mind how this thing works, but your word says it. I told you my whole deal, you know, I was like, God, I don't want to flop around like a dead chicken, because that's how I grew up. People that got the Holy Spirit, they started on that side, and they ended on that side, and some of them ended back there, and some of them got up here, you know, it's like, I don't want to do that. I want to be in a little bit more control of things, right? And I wrestled with that for three to five months, and Finally, I came to the conclusion, God, if that's what it means, if it's real, I want it from you. And it was a sincere heart. It wasn't me just going, okay, God, if you're real, you know, then do this thing or whatever, right? You want to talk about real? Did y'all see the, I told y'all Sunday, I think, about the Turkish um, Turkish, uh, parliamentarian guy standing up and mocking God, cursing God. And right as he gets finished, uh, has a heart attack. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God took him out. I'm just saying you better be careful. Here's the thing what I don't think people understand. What better tool could the devil use than someone curse God and he kills you because he's the killer and people go, oh, God took him. Now I've got a wrong, messed up idea because now I'm thinking that God's taken people's lives. Right? Don't get me wrong. We see in the Old Testament where God said, wipe them out. Get rid of them. If you do this thing, he touched the deal. We can say, did God kill him? If you want to be technical about it, did God give the law that set this thing in motion? Yes. Did he pick this guy out and say, let's take him out tonight? No. This guy violated the law, right? So that's where we have to be careful that we don't start infusing our ideas and we look at a scripture passage and we go, oh, instead of like, ooh, I don't know if I've ever seen that before in here. That means I have to change my way of thinking about something, right? So I think that that's one of the biggest things was because our mind is unfruitful. Um, Some of y'all may try this. When you speak in tongues, you can read a book. It will come out of you, out of your mouth, but because it's not fruitful to your mind, you can actually look and actually be going down the page in your mind, not out loud, because you can't do both of those things. It is weird. You can read scripture, okay, and as you're reading scripture, you can be praying in the spirit. Reading Scripture, and your mind will read the Scripture, but you'll be speaking in tongues. If you try to do that with anything else, try to sing a song and read the Bible whatever, even if it's a Christian song, you're going to be like, why did I just read? (laughs) Because your mind's going, it can't do the two things, right? It can, but one's going to suffer, right? It's unique. It's supernatural. And I think that's the thing, too, that brings people crazy is that it's supernatural. Yes, ma'am. As a matter of fact, they did a survey. Remember when we were talking about renewing your mind and they were doing brain scans on people? Um, <clears throat> I didn't show it. If I can find it, I'll try to maybe get it one, uh, one Wednesday and we'll, we'll show the clip. But they scanned people's minds while they were reading a book, while they were singing, doing all these things, okay? And what part of that, what is it? The thalamus or hypothalamus or one of those, I don't remember now. Some of y'all brainiacs are smarter than me. But whatever part of that brain is that, that fires, when you're doing that, it glows red, like red, red, hot red, okay? So they brought a bunch of people. I say a bunch of people. They brought like five or six people in. They tuned them up, put all these probes on them. They laid them in the little bed thing or chamber or whatever and said, okay, when you're ready, just start speaking in tongues. Well, this one, they showed this one black lady, and uh, it was hilarious, man, because, I mean, Dude, she was getting into it. She was singing at first, and it was showing her, her brain. It was just, wow, fire red. When she kicked over and went into the spirit, started speaking in tongues, that whole center just shut down. Boy, it started turning blue. And these guys are going, like, what's happening? And she's just, oh, I'm, I mean, she, she's just feeling it, man. And it was like, whoa. So scientifically, like Kara's talking about, we know that when you do that, it's unfruitful. It's it's not processing at that time. There was something else too that happened, and I'm trying to remember that took place in the brain that they were like, okay, this is a little bit freaky. We've never seen this before. And it was like, well. And so they did it on all these different people. Like I said, they had like five or six. Every one of them, when they began to pray in the Spirit, that whole center shut down on them. And when they would begin, like... Um, one of them was praying in tongues for a while, for like, I would say probably like maybe a minute or so, and then they started talking in English, and it, it, that thing started to go. It started, you know, kind of turned orangey and then yellow and kind of came back to red, and then when they it went back again, it was like, they were like, okay, where are these, where are these um, um, where's this information at? It's sure not being published out there on the mainstream media. <laughs> oh, by the way, when you speak in tongues, your brain stops you know explaining the scripture which like we say are we afraid of science no because what does science do proves the bible <laughs> it's just it just hadn't kept, caught up with it all right every sci- scientific advancement that we see always supports the bible unless you've got bad science and then it's trying to it's trying to well I saw a guy explaining this the other day too and I thought it was interesting the big bang and um, <clears throat> there is a theory. Uh, okay, all you brainiacs, help me. There's a, there is a, um, a mathematical or, uh, a, not mathematical, a um, physics property. Uh, circular momentum. Um, I can't remember. Basically, if you spin something really fast, say clockwise, and it blows up, the particles that come out of it will spin the same way, clockwise, Okay? So one of these creationists asked one of the uh, Big Bang evolutionists, do you understand the angular momentum principle or whatever? Yes, everybody understands the angular momentum, right? He says, well, explain to me, why do two planets spin backwards? And he went, uh, and he said, not only that, but we have, I think there's two or three moons that spin backwards. And he said, well, uh, well, actually, we, we, he couldn't explain it. It was like because, there again, nothing wrong with asking the question. I'm not upset because somebody goes, could this have been the big? I'm not upset with the Big Bang Theory in the sense of there was a Big Bang. Because when God spoke, boom, stuff started moving, right? I mean, I'm not opposed to that. I'm not upset with you, right? But I'm just saying, don't tell me to follow the science. And then when the science is contrary, that was the mark of a good scientist. The way I grew up in eighth grade science, we learned that a good scientist would always try to disprove something. <clears throat> because then they could say, well, if it's reproducible, we can, we can reproduce it, we can see it, we can observe it, all that stuff. Now we know that it's, it's there, right? But I'm always trying to, well, but hang on, what if we add this? or what if we, and, and that was good science. Now it's like we've gone the other way. Now good science is who's got the most money. <laughs> what do you need me to say? That's like statistics. I love that what in the last 15 years statistics has become an absolute college class. Let me tell you about statistics, what I know about statistics, that five out of four people are bad at fractions. But some of y'all said, what? What a minute! five out of four, what? Statistics are anything you want them to be. Funny joke, CPA had an exam, they had three, qualifi- or three people come in for the test, they said, we just have one, one question, what's well, two plus two? And the first guy said, well, that's easy, it's four. They said, that's awesome, don't call us, we'll call you, we got two more guys, all right. Next guy came in, so we have one question on the test. What's two plus two? And he said, it's five. They said, good answer. Don't call us, we'll call you. We've got one other to talk to. So the last guy comes in and said, we just got one question on the test. What's two plus two? And he looked around the room and he said, what do you want it to be? And they said, you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want it to be? How, how do you want it to, I mean, if you look at these numbers, they take out certain groups of people or one thing. They can make the numbers say what it is. That's, that's where we are, right? Guess what? You can't take away, you can't add to. This thing is exactly right, it's exactly perfect. It's, it's true from the beginning to the end, everything in between. You're, you're not going to adjust this. You see what I'm saying? This, this book has passed. I, I hear people talk about, oh my gosh, they're trying to get rid of the Bible. You're not going to get rid of the Bible. Let me tell you something else you're not going to get rid of? Poor people. You know why? Because the Bible, Jesus said, you'll always have the poor among you. I think it's funny. We do all, don't get me wrong. Jesus said, you should take care of the poor. You should help them out, but you're not going to get rid of them. They're, they're going to be here. We gave 100 and, what are we now, Shane, help me? 100 and, no, $800 billion to Ukraine? $130? Um, I was listening to a guy the other day say that we could, um, somebody said that for $20 billion, we could end um, uh, homelessness. So we could have ended it, you know, five times over or whatever. But no. And how many sections of the wall we could have built? All this, and it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Right? So, and I'm sure probably all of heaven's looking down at us, going, "What are y'all doing? Here, it's right here. It's available to you. Holy Spirit's right here. Come on, what are you doing?" Praying in the spirit is another way of enforcing our prayer lives. Uh, The spirit always makes our spirit, or when we pray in the spirit, it makes our spirit be in control over our flesh. We, all, we also understand that we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principality spiritual wickedness, right? How do you, how do you deal with spirit things in the spirit? Right? Just like you deal with physical things in the physical, you deal with spiritual things in the, in the spirit. So when we pray in the spirit, then one of the benefits of that is that uh, we are taking care of spiritual things. Um. It says that uh, the Holy Spirit searches our heart. He knows the the minds of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That's in Romans 8. Uh, When we pray in the Spirit, it's the most effective way of resisting forces contending with our victorious life. When things come against you, you pray in the Spirit. A lot of times we all hear this. When you don't know how to pray, pray in the Spirit. Um, I, I man, I want to be careful with this. Um, sometimes you have to start, um, I'm, I'm going to say it this way because I don't know any other better way to say it, but it's a really bad illustration because it was so wrongly used in the church. Well, you just got to prime the pump, brother, prime the pump. Okay. priming the pump, if any of you ever had a pump, you had a leather gasket that when it dried out, air would get past it. So you would take water. And you would pour it in the stem of that pump. Bill, do you know that? you, you remember those times? <laughs> it? <Priminant. laughs> That's right. But you put water in that, it would soften that leather and make it soft. So then as you begin to crank on that, it would seal it off and it would begin to draw. Okay? Sometimes when you pray in the Spirit, it might be hard in the beginning. Like you don't want to. Or maybe it's not the right time, or maybe just, oh, I don't know. Case in point, uh, I told you one time I was, I was driving to Greenwood, and I purposed in my heart, I said, I'm gonna pray in the Spirit from when I leave my driveway to where I get off of this particular highway. I'm gonna do it at least, because I thought that was about 10 minutes, right? I drove all the way to Greenwood praying in the Spirit. And that first five to seven minutes, I'm not gonna say it was hard, but it was like I had to, I had to, um, I had to prime that pump. I had to be like, oh, yeah, no, no. Because I would, I would be praying in the Spirit. I didn't have my eyes closed because I was driving. But I would be praying in the Spirit, and then I would be like, God, you're so good. I thank you so much. And would, no, 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 no. Praying in the Spirit. So I began to pray in the Spirit. But something happened in that five to seven-minute drive where the Spirit just went. Phew. And the next thing I know, I'm parking in my parking spot where I'm going, and I'm still praying in the Spirit. And I remember going, whoa, like, where did that time go? How did I get here so fast? And it wasn't I got there fast. It was just, it was so easy. (laughs) It was like, wow, it was over, right? Sometimes there's things like this, I'll do this. Um, Hey, God, um, we only have certain words like, you're so good, you're so awesome. Thanks for your goodness. Thanks for your mercy. Can I just pray in the spirit for a moment and just tell you how good you are? And he's never told me no. No. And when I begin to pray in the Spirit, I believe I'm praying perfectly through the Spirit of God how good He really is. Words that I can't even express, only heaven can express. And they're flying around Him 24-7 going, holy, 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 right? So it must be something new every day. God, I've got a situation, and I don't really know exactly how to pray. Let me ask you this. Has anyone ever bought a house or took a new job that you really wasn't for sure about? How many of you said, "Well, Lord, I'm just going to pray in the spirit for a couple days for that. No, what do we do? God, this job's got insurance, and it's, it's 30,000 more than. And I'm really. And what have we talked about? Sometimes we say, "Well, bless God, I needed a job, and the Lord, the Lord provided. I've got a better job now. I'm making twice the amount of money. I've got three more weeks of vacation. Bless God, He's good, da da, da da da. Six months later, you're going, that's the worst job ever." took me away from my family. I don't ever see them. Da, da, da. and I'm not talking about every job. I'm just saying. The Lord maybe all the time saying, no, 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 the, the money looks good, but it's going to cost you way more than what it's paying. And you go, oh, okay. But we don't, we've been trained in the Western mind that you move on up, right? That you climb the corporate ladder so you can have better jobs and better money. Ma- Nothing wrong with that. Sometimes that's, God wants you there. Paul said it this way, I know how to abase and I know how to abound. And neither one of them is a problem for me. My uncle Wayne told you about him. You know, he said, I've eaten beanie weenie and I eat steak. And, you know, he had people ask him, Well, as a missionary, how do you feel when you eat steak, knowing that that's God's money? He said, My boy, I've eat beanie weenie and steaks. You know, I told you about the car. He drove a Cadillac. And they said, Well, how do you, as a missionary, how do you drive a Cadillac? Don't you think it was a better use of money? He said, Son, that's a company car. It don't belong to me. That's God's car. And for him, it was. If somebody needed it, God told him to give that car away. He'd have gave it away in a heartbeat. He'd have gave it away. I'll tell you this one quick story. He said that he was in the mountains in uh, Mexico somewhere. And uh, they were having a church service. And they were, they were talking about giving. And a new pastor had come. He'd only been there a couple months. So Uncle Wayne was encouraging them to give to this pastor so that the pastor could devote himself to the word and all this kind of stuff. And so people, when they came that, that uh, morning, they were bringing chickens and eggs, and they brought money. They brought, but br- whatever they had, they brought to to give to this pastor, right? And this one man came, and he wasn't for the first service. And he came, and he said, "Hey," he said, uh, "He said, can you? How long are you going to be here?" And he said, "For a little while." And he said, "Do you have time to go to my house?" He said, "Where's your house?" He said, "You see that little place right over there in the in the valley?" He said, "Yeah." He said, "Right over there." He said, "What are you going? He said, "I just need to go over, here, and I'll be right back." They waited on the man. He ran to his home. And he came back, and he had two goats that he wanted to give to the pastor. And he had a flock of about eight or ten goats. Well, Uncle Wayne went back the next year, and his church was growing and all this kind of stuff. And so he asked the pastor, he said, hey, what happened to the man that we stopped service while he went and got the goats? And he said, well, brother, he said, you see all those goats in that field over there? <laughs> I said, that's that man's. He said, he, he, like, all of his goats were producing twins. And, I mean, just why? Because he gave and the Lord said, I'm going to bless all your stuff. He said, yeah, okay. I mean, that's that's true. There was another time he said that uh, a pastor, this pastor came to a town, and some people asked him, will you come eat breakfast with us? He said, sure. So he walked to their house. They had eggs and bacon and all this kind of stuff. And he got to looking around. There was a bunch of kids, like 10 kids. And he knew this man didn't make a lot of money, and so he kind of got to feel he'd been over there three or four times, and he got to feeling bad about it. And so he pulled this man aside, and he said, listen, brother, he said, I so appreciate the time of you feed me breakfast. Our fellowship that we have—it's so good. He said, "But listen, I, I, I feel bad. I'm taking food out of your kids' mouths." He said, "Preacher, you don't understand." He said, because he had missed a couple of days. He said, "Every day that you show up for breakfast, when my wife cracks the eggs, they're double yolk eggs." He said, "But the days you don't show up, they're single." God, God will provide. I mean, what was he teaching? He was teaching that preacher something. He was teaching that man something. A double blessing, right? But what has to happen? Be willing and obedient, right? So this victorious life. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to put on all of our um, armor. And it says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. This is where... I'm telling you, there are times when I say, Lord, I don't know about this particular relationship or job or whatever. Can I just pray in the Spirit about that? I'm going to pray in the Spirit about that. And and God's never told me no. With this in mind, be alert and keep always praying for for the Lord's people, Ephesians 6. When we pray in the Spirit, no one, including the devil, knows what we're saying. We're speaking to God alone in mysteries, a heavenly language. I believe that there is a language so heavenly that even the angels don't understand it. And here's why. Because if they did, the devil would understand it. And what I mean by that is, remember, there were fallen angels. And they were privy to God's teachings, okay? And that's why we have some of the messed up things that we have. is because if you understand the watcher's theory and stuff, they came down they showed men... How to draw iron out of the earth, and how to beat it into you know swords and how the art of war and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, uh, the healing arts, but then they took it way too far, and they went into places they shouldn't. And even God says, "Hey, listen, I didn't tell you all my secrets. You think you're getting away with something, but I didn't even give you I just gave you a little bit, right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I like that. Yes, ma'am. Yeah um, I don't know if I've taken it that far. I did ask God one time, um, and I prayed in the Spirit over to you. I said, God, would you let someone come to me because they see something in me? They see you in me. And um, God said, yeah, I'll do that. And I said, okay. And I was on a job site, and a guy came over and began to talk to me and another guy. And then he left, and then he came back. And the stuff that he was talking about was like, really don't like." doesn't make any sense. So the second time he came back over, we're talking, and the Holy Spirit was like, hey, didn't you want me to bring you people? And I was like, oh, that's this. And I said, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. And he said, I said, why'd you come over here? He said, well, I've seen, seen you guys working and stuff. And I was just, you know, I've been thinking, we were painting. He said, I've been thinking about, like, some painting and stuff. And, and I said, is that all? And he goes, yeah, yeah. He, said, I, he goes, well, well, he's like, man, he said, I, I've got a catheter. And I've got to go to the doctor. and I, So he starts, and I'm like, okay. I said, well, can we pray for you? He was like, yeah. You know, so I was like, okay, God. Touche. You're awesome, right? I mean, um, let me just say this. You know, sometimes I slip things to you guys that come in on Wednesday, right? So 2024 is going to be a year of bold prayers. Bold prayers. When you start asking for things from God that are way out of your comfort zone, way out of your natural element, as a matter of fact, I will say this. I believe some of you and others who will come will find themselves praying and never mention a need that they have. A need. Because what will happen is they will be so focused on what God's doing that their needs will just be met. <laughs> Does that make sense? God's just going to take care of it because you're so intent on other things. But you're going to you're going to be bold, and you're, God, my neighbor, who cusses me every morning, who makes me lose my religion on every other Wednesday or whatever, <laughs> you begin to just cry out for them. Not you cry for them and not because of them. Does that make sense? God, don't you see what they every day? And you're like, Lord, if they only knew But your life so transforms. I mean, and, 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 and that's just tip of the iceberg when I say bold prayers. If I really told you what I'm seeing, some of you would be like, okay, you're a freak. You're a freakazoid. Praying in the Spirit allows us to speak directly to God. We go directly to God when we pray in the Spirit. Keeps us in tune with the Holy Spirit. Keeps us tuned up. Can I say this? Um, There have been times when I've been praying in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit brings things to me. Let me, I don't know if it helps you, it helped me. How many, when you go to pray, you get about, oh, 30 seconds to a minute or two into it, and you start thinking about, like, did I turn the laundry on? Did I get milk at the grocery store? How many? Anybody? Just me? Okay. Oh, everybody. Take a little notebook with you. All right. And when you begin to pray and those things pop up, just stop for a minute and make yourself a little note. And after about, I don't know, four or five lines of that, it's going to go away. It's going to, it's going to continue until some point, sometimes something transitions, you won't need that little notebook no more. All that is, is the enemy, right? Because if the enemy come in and said, no, oh, there's no God. Are you kidding me? You'd be like, Lord Jesus, right? You just, but he just comes in and goes, hey, I don't think you... Are you, were you supposed to get the kids a birthday present? Would you? Oh, man, yeah, I forgot that. And the next thing you know, it, you know it's kind of like that spiritual ADD, right? You're like, well, I'm going to pray. Somebody needs to pick that tissue up. And, oh, my gosh, the car needs to be washed. And, you know, right? And you, you just go everywhere, right? Except for what you went to do. Right? Yes, ma'am. So we can talk about it or is that what you're saying? It was a spitting uh-huh. that really, yeah. I know, I know. It should be. It was that separation, though. There was nothing because I was you. Well, you said a couple of things. First, it was like the first time you ever done this, right? Well, what happens most of the time the first time we do something? We're nervous about it, right? Because generally, we want to be good at something, right? Whether it's hitting a baseball or a golf ball or a job, whatever, we want to be good at it, right? And so we do get nervous. But the more and more you do that, because the Bible tells us that when we pray in the Spirit, we edify ourselves, we build ourselves up, boldness, um, knowledge, wisdom, all these things, right? And there are times, too, um, I will pray under my breath in the Spirit. And here, you know, you say, well, uh, I was praying for a a friend of mine who doesn't believe in speaking in tongues, right? Um, I begin to pray in tongues just kind of under my breath. Because I knew that if I prayed out loud in tongues, they were going to be more focused on what I was saying than allowing God to move on them. Right? That's just discernment. There's no, there's no right way to do that or not. You have to discern those things. Right? There'll be other times when God says, no, I want you to pray out in the Spirit because I'm fixing to do something in their life. I'm fixing to show them what the supernatural is. So you just have to be... I think that's where we get in trouble when I say we, churches, pastors especially. When we try to say... This is right, this is wrong, because about what... It's like, hang on, wait a minute. We're all learning this thing together, right? We can all make mistakes. We can all be like, huh. The the true test of that is can we go back and go, all right, let's think about this. So one of the things that we are endeavoring to develop here is uh, the Bible tells us that the, the prophets are subject to the prophets of the house. Um, if there is a message that's given, prophecy or whatever, then we... Uh, Subject that to the prophets of the house. Hey, were we good, right, bad, indifferent? I have been guilty, given a word of prophecy, and then add my own two cents to it, right? We we can all be guilty of that. I was listening to a man talk. Um, uh, it's been a couple of years back at a prophetic conference. He's standing up, and he says, listen. He was given a, a word of knowledge, and he said, uh, <clears throat> "There." what I see is you have... Um, I'm just making this up because I can't remember the story. A bad back or a slip disc, hurt leg, whatever. You slipped on a hose. You slipped on a garden hose. And it caused your uh, leg, hip, whatever to come out. And it's been bothering you. The Lord says, if you'll come forward, he's going to heal it right now. And uh, nobody came forward. And so after the service, a guy came to him and said, man. Said, I was really hoping that was for me. He said, because I fell on a hose and I hurt my he, everything that this man said. He said, but it wasn't a garden hose. It was a fire hose. I'm a fireman. And the the prophetic speaker stepped back and he said, I am so sorry. He said, I did not see a garden hose. I saw a hose and I assumed it was a garden hose. My, I, I so apologize to you. Can I pray for you? The man was healed right there. So we have to be willing to go Oh, I messed that. I miss, I messed that up, right? I got that wrong. Um, but then we have to be able to be strong enough to be like, okay, no harm, no foul kind of thing, right? We're all learning. We're all going through this instead of being like, you're wrong. And sometimes that can happen. Sometimes you can be wrong because I don't understand what you're doing. Does that make sense? And I don't know how to, I don't know how to pastor this. I don't know how to shepherd this, Right? And It's like, whoa! Wait a minute. That's where I better be on my knees, going, "Okay, God, you got to show me here, help me, help me understand what's going on." Right? I don't want to look. I don't want to look for a demon behind every rock, but if a demon needs to be dealt with, let's do it. Yes. Sometimes how, you need to be saved. how do you get spiritual maturity? That's, that's a good question. Tom, Practice. I'll agree with you, Gary, to a certain point. I do believe this. Time does not have to be a factor. And what I mean by that is there are times when God can mature you quickly, okay? But I would say, generally speaking, yes, time. Um, Obedience, if you'll step out and do what God's asking you to do, even if you look like a fool. Um, There are a lot of people in the scriptures that look like fools. I mean, let's think about it Isaiah looked like a fool in his day, prophesying all this stuff about this Messiah, and he went to his grave. And it was, uh, what, what was his, 700 years before Jesus came? I mean, 700 years. You look like a fool. You know what people were saying? False prophet, false prophet. <laughs> Until that day, that we're fixing to celebrate. <laughs> and it was like, ooh, wait a minute. Maybe that Isaiah guy knew what he's talking about. Or at least the Lord knew what he's talking about when he spoke through Isaiah, right? Well, that yeah, that's right. You that's right. They look too bad, right? That's right. Bam. <laughs> yeah. You know, I tell people all the time, so if I'm prophesying to them and I know the Lord tells me, tells me that um, uh, there's a red tricycle sitting in your yard, okay? And I say, listen, the Lord's telling me there's a red tricycle sitting in your yard. Now, I don't know about this part, I'm not for sure, okay? But, and then I can tell them what I, I think, right? I can preface it with that. Sometimes I, I've even gone to people in shopping centers, whatever. Have a word for them. Say, "Hey, can can I, can I speak with you?" I know you're going to think I'm crazy. I take all the pressure off of them, right? Look, I'm the nutcake coming to you. Okay. Sometimes God takes crazy people and does crazy things, right? I just I just heard the Lord say that He loves you so much, and He knows that you're seeking Him, and He wh- whatever it is. I'm just making this up right now, but I'm just saying I, t- I say it to Him and say, "Listen, and here's the thing: if it means something to you, grab hold of it. If it doesn't, put it on the shelf. God will reveal it to you. He's going to establish it in the mouths of two or more witnesses." Okay. Just leave it at that. Well, think about it. Well, and sometimes we feel like we have to explain things to people because the things that we say sometimes may seem so weird and not like weird in a weird way, but like, did I explain that right? Right. Did I explain that right? I mean, think about Jesus. Jesus is walking around. He's got a crowd of people around him and he goes, hey. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't be my disciple, okay? And he walks off. <laughs> and people are like, is he a cannibal? Is he, he saying we got to be a cannibal? What's the, hey, come back. And nobody says anything to him. But it says that when they went back to the house, if you will, the disciple said, hey, Jesus, could you explain what you was talking about? when you What's that, what's that modeling for us? Sometimes Jesus says things that we go, whoa, how do we get spiritual maturity? How do we understand it? We go asking, God, what did you mean by that? So that's why it says we can, when we pray in tongues, we can ask for interpretation. God, you, I, just, I just spoke in tongues. I have no idea what i was saying. Can you give me an interpretation of that? Sometimes he does, sometimes he don't. Or maybe it might come later. You, you might be two, three days down the road and you go, oh, that's what that was. Okay. we could use another guitar. (laughs) By the way, by the way, yeah, most of the time when we talk about prophecy, words of knowledge, okay, the beautiful part about that is it cuts to the chase. It goes straight to the heart of things, right? When you go, "Um, here's what I'm seeing, or here's what the Lord's telling me, and you begin to speak to a situation or, or an issue, right, and they go. I had a young lady uh, right here, as a matter of fact. As a matter of fact, she was probably standing about right here, 1997, 96. And the Lord showed me that she had been in some sexual trauma. Using spiritual wisdom and spiritual maturation, I don't call that out to her, okay? A lot of people are around, so I just prayed for her. And she had, she'd come up to, uh, I, I forget what we had to call for. Anyway talking to her. Everybody kind of went away. Now, she's a young girl. She was about 15. Um, I had another lady that helped, and I brought her with me, okay? There again, I'm fixing to speak something to her that could potentially be um, misconstrued or even considered not appropriate, if you will, okay? So I brought her as a witness, and I said, listen, young lady, I turned my mic off, I said, listen, young lady. I said, the Lord says, he's telling me that you have gone through some horrific trauma and that it was probably sexual. And she just breaks, like to the point of like she's sobbing, right? Like that, as a guy, you go, what do I do, right? When you see a lady cry like that, right? And so um, I just lay my hands on her, asked for the peace of God, Anyway, she reveals later that, yes, she was molested by um, an uncle and a cousin, several others, da 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 and it led to her making a lot of really bad decisions, but that night she got free of that. The prophetic will just go whoosh, like an arrow, right, and just stick it, whereas sometimes we want to be like, and I'll do the same thing. Listen, I have to, I have to, I have to kill a people-pleasing spirit, Okay. Cause I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, and and I'm not gonna say Jesus didn't care about feelings, but He cared more about the truth, right? So that's why He would say, you know, hey, why are you doing this? You know, hey, go get your husband. Well, I don't have one. You're right, you got five, and the man you're living with right now, you're right. I mean, he, I don't think He said it that way, but I mean, He called her out. Like, yeah, the, the one you're living with is not even your husband, and and what does she do? the The prophetic word goes straight to her. She takes off her and says, come see this man who knows everything about me, and he still loves me, (laughs) right? I mean, and she brings the whole city. They beg him, come stay with us a couple days, right? So he does. Praying in the Spirit helps us to trust God. I want to say this, too, um, to help us a little bit with the the, uh, defining of the gift of the Spirit versus speaking in the Spirit, Uh, speaking in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. Mark 16 says this, and these signs will accompany those who believe. That's pretty plain English, okay? In my name, they will drive out demons. So guess what we're supposed to be doing? Can I tell you what demon-possessed people do? They speak in tongues. Now, you're laughing, but they speak in tongues. Sometimes it goes like that, right? (laughs) But they speak in tongues. Remember this. Everything that God has created, the devil has a counterfeit for There are people that say, um, hey, let me ask you, sir, uh, does the name uh, Nora Beth Jenkins mean anything? Oh, my gosh, that's my grandma. She wants you to know that she's okay today and that she's, what? And they begin to speak things that are real, right? And you go, what? Yeah, this guy's operating in a gift, not from God. It's a counterfeit version of that. He's plugged into the wrong socket. But you have ministering spirits that God sends to you, and you have demonic spirits that's been assigned to you. It's what we call familiar spirits. They know you. They know when you were eight what you did, and when you were ten, and last week what you, because they're keeping a record of those things, right? So that's why somebody can tune in, quote, into the spirit realm and speak something to you, but it has a hook in it. It's to draw you away from the presence of God. It's real. It's real. I don't know, did any of y'all see the Tucker interview? Talking about aliens and UFOs? I encourage you to go watch it. Here's a Catholic man, okay? That is talking about, they ask him, does anything scare you? And he said, "Um, did you see that interview? Um, I'm trying to think what the first thing was. Maybe it was... um, it was it was the 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 2024 or the 2020 election. The 2020 election scares me, and he said, and aliens scare me. And they were like, "What?" And he said, "Yes." He said, "You don't understand the dark side." He said, "There's a spiritual component to this, and it really scares me. I don't understand it." And I'm like, Tucker Carlson speaking some truth. I don't normally watch Carl, uh, Tucker Carlson, but I, I saw this interview. It came across my feed, and I was like. What have we been talking about? So these aliens show up and we're, hey, we're advanced life form. There's another life form. I don't believe that. I believe they're real. But I don't believe what they're saying. They're demonic. I'm bringing you great technology advancements. Look how smart we are. That's exactly what the watchers did back in the day. They brought advanced knowledge. That's why in the hieroglyphics in Egypt we see helicopters and spacecraft and stuff. Why? Because we believe that some of those people were telling them in advance what was going to happen. As far as they knew, right? Okay, that went off on the rabbit trail there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. said, whoops. So there is a theory that there were two books. um, And one was at the, uh, well, several books. But a set was at the Library of Alexandria. Help me. And then there was another one that were at the post, um, the uh, columns at um, Athens, maybe? I can't remember. But they were destroyed in the flood. And it was about this knowledge, it was about these this advanced technology stuff that the demons brought with them, right? All right, so back to this. That was a freebie. Um, in my name, you're going to cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes in their hands. I don't recommend that one. And, when they, and especially you, Kara, I saw the picture. and they will drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all can I tell you something this drink deadly poison does not necessarily mean to take a cup and turn it up it means anything you eat that may be deadly anything you ingest into your body that may be deadly that means that if you put something in your body that you wish you did not put in your body it can be redeemed I didn't say that but it's there they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. If that bothers you, good, it should. There are scriptures that are designed that should provoke you. Provoke you to action, provoke you to move. You say, well, I did lay my hands on some sick people and they didn't get well. Well, keep doing it. Yeah. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. I promise you, when you get your first yes, you're going to go so crazy. Yeah. When you see that first thing happen, I remember lay, laying hands on a lady It was deaf. And we prayed three times for her. Every time it got a little bit better. And at the end of that thing, she had a hearing. And I asked her to take it out. We prayed for her. She, she got her hearing back. At the end of that whole thing, man, we're praying. We're worshiping God. We're having all kinds. of Word of the Lord came to me. And uh, I said, Marcel, I said, Lord's telling me to tell you to sing. She, she loved to sing in the choir. This little Baptist lady, she loved to sing in the choir. She had to quit because she could not hear the music. So she began to sing again. She's singing, 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 singing. After it's all said and done, we're kind of coming down off this high. And she said, hey, listen, i got to tell you something. So what's that? She said, I told you I was, I had to have a hearing aid over here. Yeah, she said, because I was 50% deaf in this ear. She said, what I didn't tell you is I was 100% deaf in this ear, and I can hear out of this ear now. Oh, So we started again, (laughs) right? Because he does abundantly above, exceedingly more than we can ask or think. He said, well, why am I am at it? How about if I just heal that other side too? Right? But done. You see that kind of stuff and you'll be like, hey, can I pray for you? How about can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Do it. Do it. About his head? I like it. Because you look silly if they kept whittling all the way down to your eyebrows, Gary. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm Hallelujah. That's why I, think night, I love it. I love it. I love it. So he said that to say, speak in new tongues. You're talking about they. Who's they? Christians. It's saying here, every Christian is, that's available to them to drive out demons, speak in new tongues, pick up snakes, drink any deadly thing, da-da-da-da-da. That's not a, that's not a gift of the Spirit they're talking about here. It's talking about this is what's available to you. But you can operate. Because here's the thing, like Myra's talking about, she may pray in the Spirit all day long in her prayer closet, but to come out into a public place, especially a gathering in a Christian church or whatever, and give a word, that's a different type of tongue, okay? So everybody's clear as mud. You got good homework to do for the next couple of weeks, amen? Like I said, I will get those uh, print-offs to you Sunday. They'll be out there on that uh, back foyer, so you can pick up one of those for the next uh, four weeks. All right. Anybody any quick questions? Yes, ma'am. You're okay. Right. And then you also, like, you could turn it off and on. I can. You can. Yes. And is that from... Um, I'm, I'm going to say, to some degree, yes. And the reason I say that is because um, the more you use it, the more accustomed you come to understand, like, what's going on. Does that make sense? So the differentiating is, is that yes, there is a gift of tongues, which Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians. Um, You stand up, you give a, a message in tongues, it's interpreted, and it's to edify the body. Okay? But then he says, when you go into your prayer closet, you should pray in tongues. Right? So when I say speak in tongues, pray in tongues, I'm talking about the same thing. But when I pray in tongues, I'm still speaking in tongues, but I'm doing it in a private setting. It's me and God, and we're praying. So if I'm praying, God, I love you so much. I thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Man, there's so many blessings that I've, that I've got from you. I just, I can't fathom it all. But Lord, I just, I just thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. I'm praying in tongues right there. I don't know what I said. It's unfruitful to my mind, but my spirit goes whoop. All right? I'm I'm exaggerating, okay? I don't know if your spirit will actually go like that. But that's what he's talking about. Paul says you can edify, you build yourself up when you're praying in the Spirit. Here's what I would encourage you to do. First Corinthians, when it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, and it says, does everybody, so people that say it's not for everyone, Paul has this saying there, it says, does everybody speak in tongues? He's not talking about everybody in the Christian world. He's saying, does everybody at church what would you do, right? So Paul shows up on a Sunday and he wants to give us a message that the Lord's brought to us. Everybody begins to speak it in tongues, okay? He can't give his message. That's why he's saying, listen, when you're in a church setting, it shouldn't be more than three and there should always be an interpretation. He's given rules of order, if you will. But he says, now, when you go and you pray and the Holy Spirit falls on you and you want to just pray in tongues, I encourage you to do that. That's what we see at Acts. The Holy Spirit fell on them nobody gave everybody a a word, so to speak, right? Now, when they went outside, they were speaking in tongues, and the people around were going, how is this possible? You got people from Macedonia and Greece and all these different places, and we're all hearing in our language. So is everybody speaking a different language? Were they all speaking one language in what they heard? That's the miracle of it, right? We don't really know what that was. Um, I can get you some other places, too, where Paul talks about it. In Romans, he talks about it. Um, Mark here, that's what this was, Mark 16, where he's saying, um, when, when, as believers, here's what we're to do. We're to cast out demons. We pray in other tongues, all these things. He's not differentiating those of you who have the gift of casting out demons, those of you who have the gift of speaking in tongues, those of you who have the gift. Say, no, no, no it's available to you all. But in a church setting, it looks different than in your private setting. That's, that's between you and God. You guys can do that, right? Pray, Paul says this, I pray in tongues more to all of you. But he says, when I'm at church, I would rather speak in three understanding words than to speak in tongues because I want you to understand what I'm saying. I don't want you to be distracted, if you will, by that. That's kind of a bad word, but that's what he, that's what he's, his, his inference is, okay? Yes, we've all been taught different things. Um doesn't make you a bad person or anything like that. That's what I'm saying. I would encourage you. I had a conversation with a, a young man. What do you, you think about speaking in tongues? I said, here's what the Bible says. You'll have to make a decision. And so he came back later and said, I talked over it with my pastor, and I believe it's demonic. And I said, do you throw out all the Paul's teachings? <laughs> so, but yes, I can get you some more scriptural references for that. I do not mind. And we have a t- I don't know... Um, Brian, you may know, was that, I don't, I think it was before podcasting, so we have a teaching on that, uh, the gifts of the Spirit, um, and, and most of it's been taught that um, the the best gift, we're supposed to seek out the best gift, and we understood that to mean whatever gift I want, that's what I'm supposed to seek out, but what's the best gift? So if you go to the hospital, and someone in your family is sick, and they need a miracle, what would be the get best gift for them? The gift of healing, right? So if you are in a situation where you're trying to speak to someone and they're just not hearing you or they're not understanding what would be the best gift for that moment, maybe the gift of prophecy, right? So you see what I'm saying? The best gift is whatever I need at that time. Now the Holy Spirit deals those out as he wills, as he wishes, okay? But he said, I'm gonna give you this gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you can pray in tongues anytime you want, anytime you want. And that, so that also helps us to cut the, the flesh out from the Spirit to separate those two. So, I, I don't know if you know, but I'm studying Hebrew, how to read and, and speak Hebrew, right? I sound like Ned in his first grade reader. You ought to hear me, right? So, the, the professor calls on me, Monty, what's this one? And I'm like, mehachlashem, Mehachleshem. Well, it's Melech. You know, oh, okay, all right. So, I mean, so when you begin doing this, it is, you're, you're learning. You, it may sound really strange to you, okay? But the longer you do it, the more you give yourself to it. It, it will happen. And you receive that by asking, Lord, I receive what you've promised me, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the unfilling of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's how you receive that. Yes, ma'am. And, and just, I don't be that oh, yeah. Say yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I'll tell you this. I don't tell you, I don't tell you this to say this is how it happens. I say it just as a, a point of reference. Um, like when a baby learns to talk. Sometimes they go, da 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 Right. And then they go, Da, 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 da. Cause they usually say dad, dad at first, right? It makes all your mamas mad, right? Because y'all dads are never home, right? And you're changing all the diapers and stuff. But they know. But then they say, mom and dad, but as they progress, then they begin to put sentences together. And it's not like, okay, today you should be doing it. It's it's just the more they speak, your kids that go bla, 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 all the time. They're probably going to put those sentences together a little quicker, right? We don't look at a baby and go, you stop that nonsense. Don't you say, right? We go, look, they're talking. But they're talking what they know, what they're hearing, right? There's no difference, and we got to go. There's no difference than this. <coughs> if I am, if, if Melissa is the person, and I'm the Holy Spirit, okay, and I'm telling her what to, what to say, and she gives me a voice, okay? No different than if I am speaking to you in a Spanish language and she is interpreting what I'm saying. You may not understand. If I said, ¿Dónde es tu gaje de carreras por carto, por favor? Would you know what I said? Okay, yes. <laughs> I asked you where your mailbox was for the letters, okay? <laughs> but she would say that and you would understand that in your language. There's no, there's no difference there. In, in the illustration of that, okay? So the Holy Spirit, it says he gives us the utterance, right? He tells us what to say, and we give him a voice. That's it. So we're praying out the mysteries of God. Thanks, interpreter. You're praying out, we're praying out the mysteries of God, okay? And I, I will make sure I've got an email, a good email for you, and I can send you some of those links, okay? All right, anybody else? Well, let's pray.